You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. are not overcomers by ourselves. We cannot overcome except we abide in Jesus Christ. He has overcome. He is the overcomer and in him we are overcomers. He has won the victory. He is our victor and he has won the victory and in him we are victorious. He won the victory on the cross for us. The victory over sin and he defeated death by raising out of the grave. In today's message, Pastor Dave explains how Judah's army was surrounded. They were being attacked on all sides, but they won the battle because God was fighting for them. Like Judah, you can overcome the overwhelming obstacles in your life when God is on your side. His victories allow you to be an overcomer too. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Matthew chapter five, as he continues his message, the overruling sovereign hand of God. We have a new covenant. It's not a covenant of salt, but a still sealed covenant. It's much greater than this covenant because it's sealed in the blood of God's only begotten son, Jesus Christ. It's a greater covenant. In fact, in Matthew 5, in verse 13, listen to what Jesus says as he gives his sermon on the mount. In verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Wow. Jesus, why did he say this? He said this because he intends for us as salt of the world to be a purifying influence in the world. We're to be a purifying influence in the world. I personally don't believe that righteousness will ever come through the political process. I've always heard of the silent majority. We heard of that a lot. But unfortunately, I think the church is now the silent majority. And I think it's high time for the church to wake up and speak up. It's high time for the word, this church to stand up and, and stand for righteousness. We've been silent way too long. How much longer can we be silent? The time is coming when we're going to have to speak up and stand up for righteousness. I don't believe that righteousness will ever come by legislation. I don't believe it. Only the perfect law of God was given to make men righteous. But guess what? It couldn't. Even the perfect law couldn't make men righteous. Righteousness comes through revival of the Holy Spirit. Righteousness comes through revival of the Holy Spirit. Remember what it says in 2 Chronicles, how a revival will start in 2 Chronicles 7? Come on. We all know it. We all say it. God says, if my people were called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. 
Society is only changed by the changing of men and women's hearts. I can prove that. Look at the book of Acts. Look at the book of Acts. Everywhere Paul went, everywhere the group went and preached the gospel, they upset the norm. They upset the norm. And societies were changed. Just look at Ephesus. Just look at Ephesus where they had the great statue of Diana and they had prostitutes who would line things to collect money for Princess Diana. They were making all these little molds of, of idols that they were selling. When Paul came in and preached Jesus, people started turning to Jesus and they were no longer buying those things. And subsequently there was a riot. There was a riot. So see, it's the Lord who changes men's heart through the Holy Spirit. And that's what changes politically. That's what changes society. Jesus said to the church, the salt has lost its flavor. It's good for nothing to be cast out. It's no longer salty. It can't be giving to be effective in preserving society from what's happening in it. It's sad. And as I thought about this, I know that the church has basically lost their testimony in modern times. The criticism became the order of the day. Rather than change the world, church became part of the world. The church, part of the world. You go into some churches, you can't tell where the church begins or the world left off. You can't tell that. Hope was to become popular to the world, to give the world something to think. But what have they refused to do? They refused to talk about the doctrines of sin and atonement. They refused to talk about the cross. They refuse to talk about that because they don't want to hurt anybody. They don't want to offend anybody in this cancel culture. We don't want to offend anybody's opinion. We don't offend anybody's. We don't want to hurt your feelings. We don't want to say sin. They don't want to say sin. They don't want to call it sin. The doctrines were watered down so that they would be more acceptable. So he wouldn't hurt someone's feeling when they came in and sat before us. Voices questioning the accuracy of the scripture. It's no more than what Satan said to Eve. Has God really said this? Are these really God's word? I mean, there was all kinds of things. The, the Jesus seminar who went and looked and said, well, 90% of these words in red weren't spoken by Jesus. Or, goes on and on and on and on. They deny the virgin birth. They deny Jesus' deity. They deny the cross. They deny his resurrection. Sunday school programs begin to teach evolution, and they forget about Adam and Eve. They said it's necessary to take the Bible literally. Oh, you can't do that. You can't take it literally. There's still a great move for the church to become more relevant. How do we become more relevant to people? Has this changed over the years? Has God changed somehow? What does the scripture say? I am the Lord. I change not. The, the scriptures are still the scriptures. They're just as important today as they were thousands of years ago when they were written. They're just as important today. But the church has become seeker-friendly. Why? They want to fill the seats. They want to fill the seats. They want to have these mega churches and things where they teach a great motivational speech. They teach a great motivational thing. But they eliminate words like sin and guilt and hell. They appeal to the worldly mind. They created an atmosphere where people won't be recognized that they're in church. Let's not make it too churchy. They talk about philosophy. 
psychology. They said Jesus was a great person, but he was just a high moral teacher. They talk about how you can be rich and prosperous and can have anything you want. If you follow certain principles that are laid out here. And what has happened? The word of God has been lost in the shuffle. The word of God is no longer valued as the word of God. It's been lost. Major denominations are losing members and they're dying off. No wonder they don't use the gospel to save lives anymore. The salt is not salty. Jesus said they should be cast out and trodden on the foot. If we're not fulfilling the purpose of our existence, then we should no longer exist. If we're not fulfilling the Great Commission as a church, then we should no longer exist. This is not a country club. This is not a social club. This is a church of Jesus Christ where we teach the gospel and we teach the Bible. It's a church of Jesus Christ. We're going to mention sin. We're going to mention hell. We're going to mention the consequences of you. We're going to talk about the sin that leads to death. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that. Salt is used. Many times, people's lives are flat. They have nothing to live for. Life has become a bore and a grind. They, they search for all excitement. It's a pleasure mania world. People try to fill the, find their way through the whole drums. Living for Jesus should bring zest in your life. Living for Christ should be the best years of your life. I know they are for me. I look back on the last 30 years that I've lived. They've been the best years of my entire life. I look at the first 43, I'm like, ah, ugh, horrible, horrible. We should bring the excitement of Jesus Christ into the world. You carry the Lord with you. You are the salt of the earth. The life of the believer should never be dull. It should always be full of excitement as we follow Jesus Christ. Salt makes people thirsty. You ever notice that? Go to the movies and buy some popcorn. Pretty soon, boy, you want a drink, aren't you? Eat some salted peanuts. Our lives should make people thirsty for Jesus. Our lives should make people thirsty for Jesus. I'll step down off my soapbox now. God had a salt covenant with David, a covenant that he would fulfill with the nation Israel solely because of David. Solely because of David. We read that in 2 Chronicles chapter 13. We read that. This is what Abijah was saying. He was saying, I'm a descendant of David. Jeroboam, you're not. He contrasted the, the rejection of God on behalf of Jeroboam and the people of the northern tribes and said, Judah has been faithful, uh, relatively faithful. But you kicked out the priests. You kicked out the Levites. You set up golden calves. Remember when we studied 1 Kings and 2 Kings? Jeroboam set up golden calves, two of them, one in Bethel, one in Shechem, and he made people go there and worship the golden calves. Remember that? Abijah brought his sermon to a dramatic finish by challenging the king and the people of the northern tribes to recognize that you're not going to fight me and my 400,000 guys. You're fighting God. What does Jeroboam do? Well, Jeroboam shows his true colors in verse 13. But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them so that they were in front of Judah and the ambush was behind them. So Jeroboam sends some guys around the back and some guys around the front. 
And he attacks. Why? They're negotiating. Why? Why Abijah is trying to negotiate with him. Jeroboam sets up an ambush and wants to attack. Well, after I read this, I said, man, I know somebody like that. He's called Satan. <laughs> He's called the evil one who does the same thing. When you're trying to follow the Lord, he wants to sneak around front and sneak around back and get you from both sides. I've seen this in my life. He sneaks up on you and he attacks you from several fronts. He's got something over here and tries to distract you and then he attacks you from this side. Maybe he'll, you'll get sick a little bit. Then all of a sudden he attacks you from here, attacks you from there. Or he sends a virus here and you miss church. <laughs> what does Satan do? I'll tell you what he does. He loves to condemn you about your past. He loves to condemn you about your mistakes. He loves to condemn you about the things you've done wrong a year ago, a week ago, a minute ago, yesterday. He wants to cause anxiety and fear in you. He wants you to talk about the what ifs. What if, what if, what if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? That's what he wants you to do. You know, and I go to my favorite scripture, one of eight billion. Yeah, they're all great, aren't they? You've heard me use this one before. We love this scripture. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14 and 15. Brethren, I don't count myself as to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. Satan has no pull over you. He has no pull over you, but boy, he loves to. He's been beating me up all day. He's been beating me up all day over something. It's just really racking my mind. And it's interesting that we're here we are studying this. I don't know, probably for me. In Matthew 6, 34, he clearly says this. In Matthew 6, verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The true secret is to not to live in the past. I don't like it when people say, well, that's just the way I am. No, you're born again. It's not the way you are. You're new. Behold, all things are new. You're a new creation. It's not the way you are. Maybe it was the way you were. We're to enjoy today. Why? Why are we to enjoy today? It's the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it. And it's the only thing we got. I mean, yesterday's gone, right? Can I do anything about it? Yesterday's happening. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What do I have? Right now. I have it right now. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We're going to enjoy it minute by minute, day by day. But I love what happens next in our story back in, in Second Chronicles. Didn't think I'd get back there, did you? I love what happens in our story. It's pretty cool. In verses 14 and 15. And when Judith looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was at both front and rear. And they cried out to the Lord. And the priest sounded the trumpet. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah. Look at that. When Judah saw the tactic there was only one thing left for them to do. They couldn't do anything else. They had to cry out to the Lord. I love it. And you know, when I wrote this, this is a great place to be. I'm sorry, it's a great place to be. When you've got no place else to go but to cry out to the Lord, what a great, you're in a great place. 
You're in a great place. You should recognize that first of all, not afterwards. When you've reached the end of yourselves and know that not only is the Lord the only answer, he's the best answer. And you cry out to the Lord. I love that. I love that. When there's no place to turn, look up. Why? Because when we cry to the Lord and submit to his will, what did we learn in 1 John? He hears us and he answers our petitions. I love this. This is great. And this is what's happening. And even though Abijah was not walking with the Lord, he knew to cry out to the Lord. And the great thing is the Lord answered his prayer. I love that. I, I love that. You know, I've contended all along that one of the greatest prayers to be answered is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. As the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel. And they added the shout of their faith to their cry unto the Lord, and God struck the army. We're not told how God struck them or what, but God certainly defended them, and as they trusted in him, God will do the same for us. Children of Israel prevailed. They became, they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. And the chronicle wanted to point this clear. The reason why Judah defeated Israel, even though they were surprised and outnumbered, was because they relied on the Lord. And the chronicle wanted the people to know. They wanted the people to know that God is a God that can be trusted. God is a God that can be looked at, and, and, and we need to know him. Look at, let's finish 16 through 19. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand, and Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter. 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. Oh, my gosh. Thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time. And the children of Judah prevailed, here it is, because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. We are not overcomers by ourselves. We cannot overcome except we abide in Jesus Christ. He has overcome. He is the overcomer, and in him we are overcomers. He has won the victory. He is our victor, and he has won the victory, and in him we are victorious. He won the victory on the cross for us, the victory over sin. And he defeated death by raising out of the grave. He is victorious, and in him we also are victorious. And Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took the cities from him, Bethel with its villages, Jeshana and its villages, and Ephraim and its villages. So he pursued him. He ran after him and took the city. Now, Bethel was one of the cities where was one of those golden calves were. As we come to the end of this story, read 20 through 14.1. So Jeroboam did not recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him, and he died. But Abijah grew mighty, married 14 wives, I guess he did grow mighty, and begot 22 sons and 16 daughters. Now the rest of the acts of Abijah and his ways and his sayings are written in the annals of the prophet Edo. So Abijah rested with his fathers, then they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place in the days of the land, was quiet for 10 years. Abijah grew mighty. The profile of Abijah or Abijam in 1 Kings 15 
is overwhelmingly negative. It's overwhelmingly negative. But we read, he walked in the sins of his father. His heart wasn't loyal to the Lord like David's. But yet the chronicler says nothing good or bad about the overall reign of Abijah. Why? Because he wanted to emphasize the good stuff that happened under the reign of Abijah, namely the great deliverance. He wanted to get the people coming back from Babylon to rely on the Lord Jehovah. He wanted them to rely on God. He wanted them to know that God was the one that they could rely on, the one that they could call to. The chronicler assumes the reader knows about Abijah in 1 Kings, but he wanted to show that even a bad man can be shown grace when he relies on the Lord. This is how we were saved. God showed us grace, and we accepted Jesus Christ by faith. And we were born again, and we were saved, and our sins were forgiven because of what happened on the cross. We believed in the cross. This would be great encouragement as they returned from exile, as they returned from Babylonian, or excuse me, from Babylonia. When we get a complete understanding of Abijah's life, we can learn the lesson of great spiritual victory does not make an entire life before God. We should never trust in past spiritual accomplishments or season of victory. And I've said that before. When we start to sit on our laurels, we're in trouble. I have people come to me and go, yeah, well, you should have seen what the Lord did 20 years ago. I wonderful what the Lord did 20 years ago. My question is, what's the Lord doing right now? What's the Lord doing in your life right now? That was great that he did it 20 years ago. What's he doing right now? Well, how is he showing you right now? We should never trust in those spiritual accomplishments to keep us moving and say, I've done enough, Lord. No. No. Amen. No. A Christian doesn't ever retire and get into a hammock and eat bonbons. I had to say that. Come on. So Abijah reigned for three years, and for the sake of his great-grandfather David, the Lord gave him a lamp in Jerusalem, allowing his son to reign after him. Again, it was because of David. It was because of David. And I like that fact, that it was because of David that he was able to reign. God does these things because of David. Remember, he made the covenant with whom? David. He made the Davidic covenant with David and told him that one would sit on your throne forever. God does not break his covenants. And we know that our Savior Jesus Christ is from the lineage of David and is sit, will sit on that throne again. In fact, he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. When he returns, he will sit on that throne of David. We know that. God preserved David's dynasty because he made a covenant with him. The true lamp. He gave Abijah a lamp in Jerusalem. But the true lamp will come. The true light of the world will come through that line. Jesus Christ will come. And the rest, they say, is history. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. The book follows the kingship of Solomon all the way through until both Judah and Israel are taken over by other kingdoms surrounding them. There are many moments of great faith within these pages and also typical moments of falling away from where Israel had begun. 
but the moments of faith put a spotlight on God and His amazing ways of coming through for His people. No matter the situation, God is on the throne. He's more powerful than any opposing country or enemy that's coming against you. So take courage and believe God for big things today. If you're enjoying this series from Assure Hope, we invite you to check out more messages at assurehoperadio.com. Get to know more about Pastor Dave while you're there. You can also get a feel for the church behind this ministry, too. That church is Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Please feel free to explore our website to get more information on service times and other useful information. If you're not in the area, why not find us on Facebook or YouTube? We live stream our services to both of these platforms. Find links to both of these on our website, assurehoperadio.com. If for any reason you'd like to email us, you're welcome to do that as well. Our email address is info at capewatchradio.com. Our time is up for now, but make sure you come back again for another edition with Pastor Dave, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles on a sure hope.